0: If you're a prayer, would you pray with me? Just in the stillness, um, take a moment to (laughs) to breathe and give thanks for breath. way the creation poem works humanity breathes its first when god gives breath his own breath to adam and every breath you get is a gift you can't make them no matter how hard you try you can't earn them no matter how much you try and paint god into a corner (laughs) you can just receive each one as freedom and gift before I say anything just between you and your father between you and our father say to him anything you might wish to say Spirit, we've um, we've come. We're here for you. So take hold of us and immerse us, all of us. Our hopes, our plans, our fears, our relationships, our work, our recreation plunge all of us in these next few moments into Christ. and encourage us in all the ways you wish to encourage us tonight and challenge us in all the ways you wish to challenge us tonight and transform us in all the ways you wish to transform us tonight. (sighs) Just please don't let us miss what you're doing in Jesus' name. Amen. So I um, I have a hunch I, mean, I say it's a hunch, I've, I've actually kind of bet my whole life on it, so it's possible that it's a little tiny bit more than a hunch. But, um, but I have a hunch that behind the world, but, um, but only just behind the world, just, 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 just behind what our sight and our smell and our taste and our touch and our hearing are constantly informing us about. Just, just behind. Maybe maybe even saying behind is wrong. Um, tangled up <laughs> in the very world in which we eat our meals and do our deals tangled up in the world where we take our holidays and save for our retirements, where we tell our jokes and bank our money, where we so carefully curate our online personas and um, make such careful decisions about who we're going to spend our time upon. Um, Just behind or maybe it is tangled up within that world where everything Everything is about competing and consuming and comparing um, just behind or maybe tangled up within that world. But close enough to be glimpsed and grasped, there's another world where the only thing that people see and pursue and value is the giving and receiving of love. Just just for a moment, think back on this week, examine the way you spent your time and the words that made up your conversations and the things that went in and out of your bank account and what they went in and out from and for and wonder which, which world was it that shaped you this week? one that's constantly consuming and competing and comparing or the one in which the only thing people see, the only thing they pursue, the only thing that they value is the giving and receiving of love. They're they're, they're wildly different worlds. If I'm right, if my hunch is right and there is this other world just behind or tangled up within all that we so instinctively focus upon in this other world, the world behind the world. The only way people measure wealth or poverty, joy or sadness is in the presence or absence of love. The only way in this world that people measure risk and chance, benefit and loss, is in the increasing or decreasing of love. In this world, the world tangled up within our world, when people meet for the first time, no one pays attention to race, or religion, or age, or clothing, or social status, or any other attribute. Except the extent to which this person, who we're meeting for the first time, could join in the giving and receiving of love. In this world, no one bothers to even for a moment mentally place people into categories like rich or not, beautiful or not, comfortable to be around or not, useful to me and my goals or not. In this world there's only one category. It's just just people. Just these um, these traveling bags of dirt and glory. <laughs> every single one of them loved by the one in whom they live and move and have their being, and every single one of them, imbued with the divine capacity to join their life in the giving and receiving of love. Why would you bother coming up with other labels for people when that's all that exists? My hunch, the thing I've bet my life upon, is that this world I've just been describing is what Jesus talks about as the kingdom of heaven, <laughs> that it's the very thing that Jesus insists throughout his ministry and especially in this sermon that you guys have been spending the last few weeks in, in Matthew 5, 6 and 7, he describes as being open, available, ready to be entered into. <laughs> I, I want to tell you I really honestly, if I've got this hunch wrong, I, I'm I'm screwed. <laughs> I I put it all on red. Um, uh, My my career, if it turns out that the point of human existence is actually the accumulation of greater wealth, the driving of fancier cars, the taking of better holidays than everybody else, uh, eventually having a longer and more comfortable retirement than the bloke down the road, I am bang out of luck. But if it turns out that my hunch is right and true wealth is made up only of the giving and receiving of love, then I have one heck of a retirement awaiting me just after I stop breathing. If the point of human existence is really about dominating others and being seen to be the best and getting your way all the time, then... um, I am horribly wrecking my marriage. (laughs) But if somehow it's to see another and love another and give yourself away for another, then um, a couple of times a week, I get it right. And in that, all wealth and absence of poverty is found. If you want to know what it looks like, not just to glimpse or grasp this other world just for a moment and then have it slip away, but rather to live your whole life, entirely all of it, every minute, every relationship, every endeavor, all of it, only within the parameters of this other world. <laughs> Man, you've got to read Matthew, Mark, Luke and John because the pages are full of it in the way that Jesus sees the people that are around him, in the way that Jesus speaks to the people that are around him, in the way that Jesus subverts the game of religion and human understandings of power and success, and in the way that he sacrifices to bring into earth heaven's priority on giving and receiving love. Man, if you want to know what it looks like, I can tell you where to find it. If you want to know whether you can do more than glimpse and grasp, whether you can live your whole life, all of it, every moment, every relationship, every endeavor, every hope, all the whole thing within this new world, you, you can. You're just flipping can. (laughs) If only you choose. That's the message of Jesus. Not just the kingdom of heaven has come near in me and I'm having a ball. The the message of Jesus is the kingdom of heaven has come near through me and you can have a ball. It's an entirely different ball than in Jesus' time the Romans are having, yeah? Yeah wildly different life, wildly different endeavor, completely different way of measuring success, failure, riches, poverty, good, bad, indifferent, everything changes if you enter in. But can you enter in? Absolutely. Have you seen the people he invites himself to dinner in the home of? (laughs) Have you seen the cats he gathers around him to go and become fishers of men? Have you seen the people who he pushes past the scandal of their life to say, yes, you in now, this will be a ball. Come on. And the getting in is not complicated. It's it's simple. You've been reading about it the last few weeks. I, I, I've been sneaky stalking you on the podcast (laughs) week after week. You've just had people coming and telling you the, the straightforward simplicity of how it is that you can have your whole life found in this other world. And tonight Jesus comes and the words that we're sitting with are these. He says, in everything, do to others as you would have them do to you. for this is the law and the prophets, enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the road is easy that leads to destruction. And there are many who take it, for the gate is narrow and the road is hard that leads to life. And there are a few who find it. in everything do to others as you would have them do to you it it, it, could, it, it couldn't be more simple <laughs> I mean, if you put a few exceptions, qualifications, caveats, uh, hidden things in there, it might have got a bit more complicated. I mean, if he'd said not in everything, but, um, you know, in religious things, do to others what you'd have them do. Well, then you could say, well, what's a religious thing? What's a non-religious thing? I'm not sure when I should be doing this. No, no, no. It's just in, in everything. <laughs> if he'd said with with deserving people with good people with people who've earned it um well it would have been complicated to figure out who those people were but um just in everything if it would said, um, when the anointing comes, when it's missional, um, do to others what you'd have them do to you. Well, then you know, we'd have some complicated conversations to have about, well, when's the anointing coming exactly? And what even is that? And missional? Isn't that a made up word? I'm pretty sure it is, but it's selling a lot of books. Can we just hop on that one? Just um, in everything. In everything, do to others as you'd have them do to you. Even a child could understand that, yeah? (laughs) Uh, In fact, um, this scripture is the very first one that I can remember my children proactively quoting in a family conversation. Um they were preschool aged and um, we were, uh, I think, living on a property about 5K from here um, in a place called Box Hill. And I walked outside and um – is this okay? <laughs> cool. Uh, I mean, obviously, you know, our kids just perfectly behaved all the time. But um, – there was this one day, I was walking outside, and they were arguing, and I think they were arguing over a toy, and I saw um, one of my children, who because they're both in the room now, I won't name, um, grab from the other child uh, a a toy, and when I said to the unnamed child, um, why why did you do that? Um, She said to me, well... um, I was going to name names. Uh, she said to me, "Well, Ali took it from me, and the Bible says that we should do to others what you want them to do to you. So, Ali must have wanted me to take the toy from her." It was it was flawless logic. <laughs> Wild misunderstanding about scripture, but flawless logic. You'd almost think her dad was a lawyer. <laughs> but do you understand? There's this. We are hardwired to say, not do to others what we would have them do to us. We we are just hardwired with these instinctive goat tracks, these things we just find ourselves doing without meaning to or even realising we're doing them, to think instead, do to others what they have done to us or do to others what you feel like doing to others. Do you understand? We live our whole lives within the parameter of do to others what others have done to you, or do to others what you feel like doing to others. It's the reactive life of a world addicted to competing and consuming and comparing. Unless you have a vision of a different world, you'll, you'll just spend your whole flipping life accidentally making choices on that basis. And you will be undifferentiated from the whole rest of the world, notwithstanding the fact that you allocate an hour or two of your life to a church building on a Sunday. Jesus has a better vision for the church than that. (laughs) Uh, In fact, heaps of religions have a better vision for people than just do whatever you feel like doing or do what other people have done to you. Uh, In fact, as you start to look around, um, you see, for example, Confucius 500 years before Jesus had this saying, he said, um, what you don't want done to yourself, do not do to others. Do you see how similar that is to what Jesus said, but a little tiny bit different? In the same kind of area of, of the Middle East where um, Jesus grew up in Persia, there's a religion called Zoroastrianism, and, and um, within their scriptures, there's a, a teaching that says, whatever is disagreeable to, you, to yourself, do not do unto others. Really close, but not the same. Uh, In fact, about a hundred years before Jesus was born, there was a prominent Jewish rabbi. So even within Jewish culture, there was a saying that was similar to what Jesus said, but different. One of the two big schools of rabbinic thought was the school of Hillel. And Hillel said this, he said, what is hateful to you, don't do to your fellow. This is the whole Torah, Hillel says. The rest is explanation. Go and learn. Now that is really similar to what Jesus said. (laughs) It's still different. Don't do to others what you don't want done to you. What um, what kind of life is produced if that's your golden rule? This, this stool cannot do to others what it doesn't want done to it. <laughs> you understand that, yeah? Like, Inert things, things with no life can quite comfortably satisfy that rule without even trying. All you get, though, if humans have this as the zenith of what to aim for, is a world full of white-knuckled religious self-denial, a bit less darkness than there would otherwise have been, but no more light. You understand that? For light to come, you need to flip it on its head and say not don't do what you don't want done to you, but instead proactively, creatively, in a way that reflects the engagement of our father with his children, do to others what you would have them do to you. That's flicking the light switches on. That is the death to inertia. That is the momentum that kicks into your life and my life and the life of Christians across time and across the world to make us the means by which God's re-blessing of the earth advances until that great day when evil and all evildoers will be removed from creation and the only version of our world that will remain is the version within which people only see and only pursue and only value the giving and receiving of love. Until that day, you are the prophetic foretaste of what one day will be the only thing that remains. Until that day, you are the carriers of the spark of creative love that Jesus passed on 2,000 years ago and told his carriers, told his followers to carry. By, um, by entering and extending the kingdom of heaven, you need to abandon this human addiction to fairness. I'm doing to them what they did to me. I'm just doing what's, the, what's going to equal the ledger from the stuff that's going on around me. We need to abandon our addiction to fairness for the greater goal of love and we need to accept that more than religious self-denial is needed to re-bless the earth. That's what it means. To in everything do to others what you'd have them do to you. This idea that we can simply um, act out of fairness, do to others what they've done to us or pay back what's been paid to us. This idea that the, the the height of faith and the redemption of all things will be accomplished by simply not doing what we wish people wouldn't do to us is just absolutely skewered in Luke's remembering of this same saying of Jesus. In um, Luke chapter 6, we read these words, it's the same teaching, but... Uh, very probably given at a different time in a different context, and what what's remembered here of Jesus' words is this: "Love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you." If I'm if I'm really honest, at about that point, I want to say, Are "You flipping serious?" I've just. I just really want to be honest with you guys that's really really hard. These these things Jesus say, says might be might be simple but they're not easy. Love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you, do to others. Luke remembers Jesus saying as well Love your enemies, do good, and lend expecting expecting nothing in return. Your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High, for he is kind to to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. There's a life verse. (laughs) Where do you find that hard? Who are the people that just do you in when you try and live this way? What are the social settings where it just seems like no one's up for this and you feel like you need to stop doing it yourself lest you be ejected from the group? What's your breaking point? What kind of career slowdown would you be willing to put up with for the sake of this before you said, that's it, I'm done? Everyone's got a point of challenge on this stuff. It it does, I'm convinced, as Jesus said, lead to life, both life now for you and for others and also life beyond, but... Um, it's hard. In fact, I'm I'm underselling it when I say it's hard. It's it's impossible. In 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 everything, be the kind of merciful that your Father in Heaven is. <laughs> Elsewhere, Jesus will say, "Be perfect, even as your Father in Heaven is perfect." Oh, great! We'll just we'll know that by next Sunday, and we'll have a sermon on a different topic. <laughs> it's do you understand? The you know, Christian life isn't hard; it's impossible. Simple, yes. Possible, no. There's like one guy who's ever done it. They, they named it after him. <laughs> they also killed him. Because the world behind the world... The world tangled up in the world challenges a lot of stuff when it comes into view. The game plan then is not for you to go out and have a slightly differently calibrated white-knuckled religious (laughs) fervour. The game plan is (laughs) surrender to the simplicity of it all and receive the Holy Spirit. Because if there's only one guy who can do it, you probably need him living in you. Otherwise, it's a tough gig. And he said, "He came not to, lay, weigh, not to weigh you up with burdens, but to to give you light." Um, Jesus then brings us. Um, whoa, it's unexpected. Jesus brings us to a point of simplicity um, and impossibility. <laughs> Jesus brings us to this this extraordinary coalescing of what is simple and what is completely unable to be done. (laughs) And in that moment, in that place, in that revelation, we are brought to an awareness of our need, not just for forgiveness, but for divine resources, the gift of God's own spirit to grow God's own life in us. That's New Testament faith. (laughs) You know, over and over again I just see people selling a Christianity that is um, is not simple but complicated or, or a Christianity that's um, simple but requires nothing impossible. Do you understand that living in everything, do to others what you'd have them do for you, is just as impossible as praying for miracles and ministering in the prophetic? They're both equally impossible. It's just one of them involves rolling your sleeves up and getting really down in the dirt. But Jesus brings us to a point then when he's where he says, abandon all thoughts about complexity. <laughs> just just go out that door, or alternately that one. Either's fine. And when you get out there, just in everything, do for others what you'd have them do for you. Because <laughs> that's the whole law and the whole prophets, all just summed up in one sentence. That that's that's as complicated as it gets. <laughs> And in the moments where you find that it's impossible, just surrender again to the free gift of forgiveness and ask again for the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Ask him to know the things you couldn't know about the person that you're about to express love to so that you can find yourself doing it right. There'll be moments where it's tiring. The apostle Paul took the time to write to one of the early churches and say, "Um, so let us not grow weary in doing what's right, for we will reap a harvest time if we don't give up. So then, um, whenever we have an opportunity, (laughs) whenever we have an opportunity, let us work for the good of all, especially those of the family of faith. Will you be that kind of people? I don't actually give a rip whether you turn up and sing a song loudly, raise your hands, sit down, listen while I'm talking, open your Bible seven times a week. None of that. None of that's of interest to me. I think you'd enjoy most of it, but it's not what matters. Do good for all, especially those in the family of faith. Don't grow weary of doing good and give up simply because the world of competing and comparison and consumption is swirling around you, taking your gaze from the other world. Where giving and receiving love is all that matters. Um, will you, will you, actually really will you, before you leave here now, decide that this week you'll live for the other world? Like at the end of me banging on for 30 minutes, will you actually make the decision to say, yes, once again, this week I'm in, this minute I'm in, the minute I go out there, I'm going to be in for the world where I'm not comparing myself to other people. I'm not looking at the way that they wear their clothes or tell their jokes or live their faith and measuring out where I'm doing better or worse than them. I'm just going to work out what it would mean for me to engage with them in the giving and receiving of love. When I go to my workplace, I'm not going to see suppliers to be ripped off, clients to be exploited. I am just going to see people traveling bags of dirt and glory loved by the one in whom we all live and all move and all have our being. Will you live for the other world? Will you take the narrow road? The wide one leads to destruction. It honestly does. Put the flipping news on. (laughs) There's one road that leads to ever-expanding life, life that will subsist even after death. It's the life of giving and receiving love, doing in everything to others what we would have them do to us. Will you, um, will you not live a narrow life, which would be, do good to the right people and only the right people, and forget about everybody else? <laughs> will you live a broad and generous life, but do that by going through the narrow gate and walking on the hard road? Um. And if you get to the end of this week, will you do it again the week after that? And, and if you if you make it to November, will you do it in November as well? And when twenty nineteen comes around, are you gonna are you gonna do it for another three hundred and sixty five days then? And if you get the chance to be aware of anything when you breathe your last breath, will you say, "I fought the good fight, I ran the race." In everything I did to others, what I'd have them do for me. And I pray. <sighs> kind and loving Father, your gate may be narrow, but your love is wide. The path may be hard, but your spirit can make it easy. Help us to be people who live not a good moment, (laughs) but a good life. In those moments where we overcomplicate the simplicity of following you, will you help us to fall back again (laughs) into trusting you, cooperating with your spirit and being your loving presence in the earth? And in those moments where it all seems impossible, will you help us to have such selfless, honest, humble, real community here at Feast and elsewhere as well? that we can cheer each other on, support one another in prayer and in action, all of us knowing that we're filled with divine resources to live heaven's life here on earth now. Amen.